everyone, this is Joey, your very adequate dungeon master. For today's episode, we have a bit of exposition. Basically, this episode will explain our homebrew mechanics and hopefully provide a clear picture into the world. Also in this episode, we're going to introduce Mitchell, Hi. our new player, as well as his character, who will be joining Niklaus and Hyrkir at the start of Season 2. Right. It'll be it'll be Nicklaus here, here, and Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell and I have actually been playing Dungeons and Dragons for the same amount of time. We started with the same campaign. We also play in the same Genesis campaign that one of our other friends runs. So I guess Mitchell, why, why did you want to join the podcast? Yeah, just like you know, I love playing D and D. I love playing D and D with this group. I don't know where else I'm going to get my D and D fix after. You know, our main campaign ended. Plus, I thought it was really cool, just the idea of being on a podcast and while also playing D&D. Yeah, I just thought it was a cool idea and I'm excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. What are you most excited about? Having a a solid, fixed reason to play D&D weekly. (laughs) That that regular scheduling is so sweet. I know, especially when, like, it's mandatory. Yeah, I'm excited to play regularly. I'm excited to explore this world that you've created in the podcast. I think it's really cool, and it's a cool modern take on the traditional, you know, high medieval fantasy D&D. So I'm excited to do that. I love playing D&D with you, uh, Roy and Jeremiah, so I'm excited about that too. Yeah, sounds good. And with that, let's go ahead and get started. All right. Welcome to Falcon's Reach, a city in which magic is technology. You're listening to Adequately Advanced Magic. Sirius, you wake up just a few minutes before your alarm goes off. You haven't been able to sleep particularly well. It's your first day at your new job as a policewoman. The dim glow of the rising sun was apparently enough to wake you. And with that dim light sort of illuminating your apartment, what does it look like? So I would say that Sirius has a very small studio apartment that she keeps very tidy. She's very into like organization, making sure that everything is in its proper place. It's very neat, tidy, clean. She has, you know, her just small bookcase with books alphabetized and arranged by subject. She has a desk with binders, note- notebooks, her pens arranged in order. 
She has a small like board game shelf with uh with some copies of the latest <laughs> latest games like tanks and airplanes and oh and she has a like a recruitment poster for the Falcons Reach Police Department uh, on her wall and with a like a dignified looking officer uh, you know staring off into a beautiful sunrise saluting um, with like I don't know some something at the bottom that says like are you the next member of our force. <laughs> Are you ready to protect the city? <laughs> Sign up today. Yeah. As you sort of stare off into the distance, your alarm suddenly goes off. From a small square-like device located on your nightstand, a bunch of magical dancing lights and brightly colored orbs float gently in the air, and they're completely unaware that they aren't serving their purpose of waking you up. They do, however, indicate that it's time for you to get up and get ready. Uh, well, she's already awake because she's so, you know, excited to start her first day at what she considers her dream job, protecting and serving the people of the city. So she gets up, she goes to her bathroom, you know, starts getting ready, you know, showers, does her hair, you know, brushes her teeth. She, you know, looks at herself in the mirror saying things like, you got this. You're number one. As you look in the mirror... What do you look like? So Cirrus is, so she's half elven. She's relatively tall. She's got like white blonde shoulder length hair that she ties in a ponytail. She's fit. Uh, She's not like jacked, but she's fit. You you know, you can tell she works out. She's lean. (laughs) She's lean. Yeah. She's got green eyes. She wears silver earrings. She has a very kind face and... She puts on her uniform, which she kept, like, very neat and clean and, like, had it ironed and all that. She puts it on. She, like, admires herself in the in the mirror and gives herself a big goofy smile and heads out. Yeah. You head out from your apartment and down a long, dirty hallway, followed by a similarly dirty flight of concrete stairs, where you actually encounter a pretty sizable giant rat, and you just boldly ignores you as it rummages around the dirtiness. Ew. I have kind of a grimace on my face as I see the rat and sort of like give it a wide berth. (laughs) It's still relatively dark as you arrive onto the streets of Canaloon, one of the districts of Falcon's Reach City. At this level, only vestiges of the early morning sun are able to make it through to the street, mostly having been blocked by endlessly tall apartment buildings and skyscrapers and the high pedestrian arches that connect them. Instead, your path is dimly illuminated by a multitude of erratically placed signs and illusion magic advertising for nearby businesses. I continue and, you know, check out the, I guess, the advertisements. I I would say she's probably... She probably recently moved to this apartment when she got the job. So she's like checking out the neighborhood, getting a feel for her morning commute as she goes by. Yeah. As you walk along the sidewalk, go ahead and do a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Okay. Well, I rolled an 18. I don't know what I add to it, but that's relatively high. (laughs) Yeah. You're walking down the sidewalk and you see that there is a very cleverly placed mat that you recognize as something that triggers basically a very loud advertisement using illusion magic that would basically tell you to go inside and get a coffee from this store. I am taken completely by surprise, even though even though I got such a high dexterity saving throw roll. Yeah, I'm just like, Hoo! 
<laughs> How appealing is this sign? Does it like make the coffee look hot? Does it make it look appealing? Am I like, ah, oh, I gotta have some coffee. I didn't realize it before. Yeah, you take a look at the sign and there's like a very large cardboard cutout of a sexy elvish lady wearing a maid uniform. And it's like, get your JYMO coffee here. Yeah, so Cirrus, you know, she wants to be alert and awake for her first day. And since she got up early and kind of left on time, she feels like she probably has enough time before she before she gets in. So yeah, she goes and get she goes in to grab a latte. You head into the store, carefully stepping over the the advertisement trap. You head into a relatively quiet coffee shop. Behind the counter, you see that all of the coffee beans that they have are from the same brand, JYMO, which is one of the companies that handles food and water production in the city, mostly using magic. Okay, I go up to the counter and speak with the barista. Yeah, You see a very short three-foot-tall kobold wearing a dark-colored apron. He sort of shakes his tail as you enter, and he says, Hello, ma'am. Good morning, sir. I'd like one of your fine lattes, please. Okay, coming right up. Would you like it sweetened? Yes, please, because it's going to be a sweet day. I, and then I just sit there with, like, a smile on my face. <laughs> yeah, he makes the coffee, and then to sweeten it, he actually pulls out a peculiar-looking orb a sort of wand-like device and a crystal. And he puts it all together and he casts prestidigitation on the coffee to sweeten it. And this mechanic will be explained later in the episode. Cirrus isn't like a huge fan of artificial flavoring, but she she recognizes that there are limited alternatives. She thanks the, the barista cobalt for the drink. That'll be five gold, ma'am. Okay, well, luckily I have that much money. Yeah, so I pay the five. I pay the. That's ex, that's like ex, that's a lot of money for. All right. Yeah, I pay the five gold. <laughs> Your life savings. Yeah, I pay my life savings for this artificially sweetened coffee. Yeah, you gotta treat yourself. Yeah, yeah, treat yourself on the first day of your job. You know, um, I have to go in with confidence. So, and I down the coffee on the way to the office. Yeah, the coffee itself is not that tasty, but in line with much of the magically created food, it's bland. And somewhat tasteless, except for the artificial flavoring that's in there. I grimace again as I drink it. Yeah, it gives you a slight tingle, but that's about it. That's what five gold gets me. A slight tingle. (laughs) Sad. Oh, well. Yeah, and then I hurry over to work so that I am not late. The rest of the trip is uneventful, and you arrive at the police station. Much like many of the other buildings in the district, the bottom lower quarter of the building is made out of a combination of red brick, tan stone, with large window facades that are very much in a sort of post-medieval renaissance style that is pretty historic of the area. The upper three quarters is much more modern. It's like they tacked on this sort of blocky office right on top of the historic part that is made up of steel and glass. Wow, a marvel of industry, I say to myself as I walk in and to report for my first day (laughs) yeah you walk into the foyer of the police station what precinct number is it are you asking me yeah how do precinct numbers work i don't know let's pick a random number i'm super tempted to say 69 but we we're not we're we're not that base here (laughs) 42 all right you step into the foyer of police precinct 
42. Ahead of you, you see that there's a front desk manned by a dark-haired female halfling with particularly bored-looking eyes. She's wearing an orange cardigan over a checkered shirt. Would I know who this person is? No, this is your first day assigned to this precinct. Okay, all right. I walk up to the front desk, and I'm like, Good morning, ma'am. I'm Officer Alanis reporting for my first day on the job. I give her a big earnest smile. So earnest. (laughs) She's like filing her nails, and she doesn't look up. Is there a bell on the desk? Yeah, there's a bell on the desk. I ding the bell. The bell goes ding. Nice. The halfling says, Yeah, can I help you? Hi, I am reporting to this precinct. I believe it's Precinct 42. Today's my first day on the job. I'm Officer Alanis. Maybe my name's down there uh, on a list somewhere. Yeah, you got your ID? Probably. I pull out my ID that I have. Yeah, you pull out a metallic card with intricate inscriptions on it. She takes it and she swipes it over some sort of machine and a little illusion of you in 3D appears above it. Ooh, so (laughs) sci-fi. I I stare at it with wonder a little bit. You know, some of these these things are still a little new to me, even though I've been in the city for a while. (laughs) Yeah, the receptionist says, all right, head down the hallway to the left, look for the office with Sergeant Ember Arm. Okay, and since I'm going to be coming here probably every day, you know, it's my job, that makes sense. Um, So uh, what's your name, ma'am? She finally looks up at you, and after a moment of silence, she says, Melinda. Melinda. Well, Melinda, it's very nice to meet you. My name's Cirrus. Hopefully hopefully we can maybe chat by the water cooler at some point. I'd love to learn a little bit more about you. Yeah. Anyways, down the hallway. Okay, great. Thank you. Joey, is it going to be annoying if I ask, like, every character's name? Nah. Okay, excellent. Okay, so, yeah, I go, I follow those directions. Mm Mm-hmm. You head down the hallway, and you find an office, and there's a nameplate on it on the door that says Sergeant Ember Arm. I knock very politely on the office door. Yeah, from the side you hear a voice go, yeah, come in. I do that. Uh, hello, are you uh, Sergeant Ember Arm? Yeah, you're the new rookie. Yes, Officer Cirrus Alanis reporting for duty. Yeah, you take a look at him, and he's a male dwarf. He has a pretty sizable gray beard. Nice. And he's in plain clothes. May I just say I am very excited to, uh, it's, it's, it's quite an honor to, to be serving here in the 42nd Precinct, sir. Alright, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, sir. So, so yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready to work, you know, very excited. Alright, well, corporate funding requires that I go over your orientation with you. Follow me. Huh, corporate funding? Okay. Uh, and I go and follow him. Yeah. He leads you into a briefing room, and there's like a magical slide projector with a bunch of illusion magitech also inside. I sit down, I pull out a notebook that I have along with one of my favorite pens, and sit up <laughs> eagerly ready to take copious amounts of notes. Yeah, he sort of grumbles to himself and he's like, alright, time for my favorite part of the job. Hold on. He clicks some of the slides into place, and he says... Welcome to the 42nd Precinct of the Falcon's Reach Police Department. Today, I will be going over a brief history and conducting your intake tests. Okay, alright. Any questions so far? Uh, What kind of material will be covered on the test? It's just practical things. Okay. Like making sure you can cast magic, shoot your gun, make sure you have two eyes. 
Cirrus is a little nervous because she was never really good at shooting guns, but she'll do her best. <laughs> he clicks a slide into place, and you see an image of the city from the sky. He reads off his notes. He says, Falcons Reach City grew rapidly after the second Azathothian crisis several hundreds of years ago. Apparently some primordial ooze almost ate everybody in the country. Any of this ring a bell? Yeah, I remember hearing about this in the Academy. A group of heroes, I believe, defeated defeated the ooze after futzing around for an entire year. Yeah, they're not important. Yeah, that's 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 what all the history books say. Anyways, there was a subsequent economic recession, a refugee crisis, compounded with a decrease in security. So, thousands of people migrated to Falcon's Reach. And then, several dragons, which we actually thought were extinct for a while, showed up from hiding. And then using all their power and money, they fixed the country. Yes, I'm, I'm taking copious amounts of notes. Just like, dragons. Money. <laughs> Couple years after that, dragons discovered Magitite, which is the magical power source that powers the city and our technology, which is called Magitech. It lets you cast spells and you can buy it at your nearby Solstice Mart. I am obligated to say that. Mm, that's weird, but okay. The dragons recognized the immense potential of normal people being able to cast spells and fully privatized their organizations to effectively proliferate the use of Magitech, forming the corporations that we see today. Cirrus privately wonders what this has to do with protecting and serving, but... That uh, keeps quiet. There are five major corporations today, as I'm sure you know. There is JYMO, which handles food and water resources. There is Wolf News, which handles media and entertainment. There is there is Falcoco, which handles Magitite and energy production. There is Valdivian, which handles private security. And there is Solstice Industries, which makes the Magitech. You got it? Yeah, so Magitite is the source of power. Magitech is the part that casts, that allows spellcasting? Yeah. Okay. If this were the old days, Magitite would be like a spell slot. Oh, okay. And Magitech would be the spell. It's crazy to think that people used to be able to just cast magic without without these things. Like, just on their own. That's crazy. That not that crazy? Yeah, not a whole lot of those people anymore. Yeah, well, that sounds incredibly dangerous. Anyways, the FRPD was formed from the former militia force of Falcon's Reach amid the growing expansion of the city, and given a mandate by the corporations to serve and protect. That concludes this part of your orientation. Uh, sir, I do have, I do have a question. Shoot. Don't, as the police force, as law enforcement, aren't we under, aren't we mandated by the government of Falcon's Reach to protect and serve? Technically, yes, but guess who funds the government? Hmm, shouldn't there be like a, like a separation between government and business? Sir, this all seems weird. Try not to think about it too much. Cirrus thinks about it too much. <laughs> okay, is it time for the test? Yeah, let's head on over to the shooting range. Uh, okay, alright. Serious? It's just a gun. It can't hurt you. Well, it can hurt you, I guess. Sergeant Ember Arm leads you through the bullpen 
of the police station, and a co- there's a couple of officers with their dark navy uniforms and tactical vests. They look up at you as you pass, but they don't say anything. I wave at each and every one of them. <laughs> a couple of them wave back. Some of them are just like, so. I'm like, not much. First day, right? <laughs> <laughs> the two of you head to the shooting range of the police station. Sergeant Ember Arm leads you over to one of the stations in the shooting range, and set upon the little table part, there is a caster, it looks sort of like a wand, and it has two receptacles in the middle. There is a Magitite crystal, a level 1 Magitite crystal, and a level 1 color spray Magitech. And he says, alright, have at it. Oh wow, that's... alright. Is there a target, did you mention? Yeah, there's like a little mannequin like 15 feet away okay okay i guess i i cast the spell color spray which reads all right so it's a one action one round range of self and okay so it's a 15 foot cone okay so this takes the place of like components then from that would be normally part of spell casting yeah all right a dazzling array of flashing colored lights springs from your hand Rule 6d10 the total is how many hit points of creatures this spell can affect so it's kind of like sleep Okay, so blinds. <laughs> Joey, how many hit points does this dummy have? Like, negative three. Okay. <laughs> okay, so it's like wand, right? Yeah, and then you just slap the things in. Alright, I slap them in, and yep. I... Okay, so this is a cone, so I imagine she would wield it in her right hand. She would be. She would start by holding it over her left shoulder, and then would kind of, from left to right, like do one, one wave of the wand, right? And she Well, you don't even really need to wave it. You just have to, like, point it. So she waves the wand from left to right, and she's <laughs> like, Color spray! <laughs> yeah. A dazzling array of flashing colored light flies out from the caster. Cirrus, unlike Mitchell, is not colorblind, so she sees all the colors. <laughs> and they're just beautiful. Yeah. Sergeant Emberarm is like, you know you don't need to yell the name of the spell, right? Like uh, in, that's not what they taught us in the academy. Yeah, you don't need to do that. But isn't it cooler when I do it like that? No. Well, I think it's cooler. You actually don't even need the caster. It just helps you aim. Oh. Well, I managed to cast the spell, right? Yes, I'm glad you have hands. I feel very proud of myself. All right, next station. I follow him to the next station. Yeah, you follow him to the next station, and sitting here is a magic pistol also known as an M-Pistol. It looks like an oversized revolver, except this one is empty, so it's missing the particularly large cylinder. The cylinder is actually just sitting right next to the pistol, and you can see that there's little letters written on it that say Eldritch Blast Module. Well, okay, if I remember correctly from Academy, I load it in like this, and then it's just a matter of simply pointing and shooting, so yeah, I can do this. I load in the Eldritch Blast cartridge. By the way, did I, like, just leave... I guess, was I supposed to leave the color spray Magitech stuff back in the other station? It's all one-time use, so... Right. Okay. Sure, I, I load up the gun, you know, and I hold it, like, with it sort of pointing upwards, and I, like, go... The, I do the... thing. Yeah. As you aim, Ember Arm says, the, the gun modules have both the Magitech and the Magitech contained... So you don't have to worry about it. But go ahead and shoot. Cirrus stops worrying about it then. So would this be the same as a ranged weapon attack? Yeah. Okay. There's a dummy about 50 feet away. 
I guess I would have proficiency in this, maybe? Yeah, they are martial weapons. Okay, alright, great. So, I guess I would just add plus two to this thing, so... Okay, good. So, 18 plus two. 20. Yeah. You control your breathing, and then you slowly squeeze the trigger, and a bolt of eldritch energy streaks towards the dummy 50 feet away, and you hit it straight in the head. Does the dummy explode? The dummy does not explode. Yeah, that would be very inefficient, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> be out of out of money by the... The, the dummy budget is really limited. Embaram says, wow, good job. Cyrus is kind of like has her hand over her mouth like, oh my god, I really messed that dummy up. <laughs> I'm a monster. But she's also, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, the pistol modules have five shots each, and then you have to reload. Gotcha. Here, try this one. From inside his pocket, he pulls out a poison spray module. He wheels the dummy within 10 feet. Okay. And he says, these area effect ones aren't as reliable. Alright, well, I'll do my best. Yeah. Okay. I point the poison gun at the dummy, this poor, this poor innocent dummy, and I pull the trigger, and I believe the dummy, the dummy needs to make a constitution saving throw. Well, actually, you have to do a, what is called a misfire roll. Ooh, what's that? For the ones that are saving throw spells, you just have to not roll like a nat one or two. Interesting. Otherwise, the gun breaks and you have to fix it. Okay. I rolled an eight, I guess. Or that's the... I rolled the number eight. I don't know if I add anything to it or if it matters. Yeah, you don't add anything to it. Okay. Yep. You aim the gun towards the dummy and you pull the trigger and a puff of noxious gas flies out of the gun and it flies into the dummy and dummy is like, ow. (laughs) Does it actually say ow? No. (laughs) (laughs) There's a man in there. I feel bad for poisoning the dummy. Yeah. Sergeant Ember Arm is like, yeah, all right, you pass. Yes. Good job. I do like the success kid meme or whatever it is. (laughs) Like, yes, you did it. As we walk past the, uh, if we walk past the other officers, just like, I did it! I passed! <laughs> Embarum says, alright, let me introduce you to your partner. Ooh, I'm your partner. Nice. Sounds good. Yep. He leads you over to a desk, behind which is sitting a pretty short human female with black hair. She appears to be pretty busy doing some paperwork. Embarum approaches and he says, Wolf! Hey, Wolf! The female police officer is startled, and she's like, Oh, what? Yes, I'm here. Hi. I'm like, Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, Ember Arm is like, This is your new partner, Officer, uh... Alanis. Alanis. Officer Wolf says, Like, oh my gosh, it's so nice to meet you. Like, oh my gosh, it's really nice to meet you too. Like, oh my gosh. Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like... Hi, so, okay, my name's Cirrus. Uh, what's what's your what's your moniker? My moniker is Valerie. Valerie. Valerie Wolf. I love it. With an E. Wolf with an E. I'm like, hi. I was not expecting to meet somebody who was, like, not angry and bored so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ember Arm is already, like, rubbing his temples, and he says, <laughs> I made a huge mistake. <laughs> All right, you girls have a patrol scheduled in about 15 minutes, so I'll let you get to it. Remember to fill out your time card. I'm writing that down, Joey. Remember to fill out my time card. <laughs> so I'm like, hi, so can you believe it? It's my first day on the job and I already passed my test. 
Oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you. Oh my god, me too. That gun, that gun part, mm, that that one almost got me. But, so, yeah, and I get to have my first control? So, uh, sorry, I'm just, I'm so overwhelmed. Uh, so how long have you been working here? I'm sort of new, it's only been like two years. Oh, uh, well, if you consider that new, then I am like... Very fresh. I, I already mentioned this, but it's my first day, and I'm just so excited. So, so yeah, like, what's it like working around here? Like, what do we do on a day-to-day -day basis? How is it, like, how is it serving the, the people of Falcon's Reach? I've been waiting for this day for so long. Oh, that's nice. We sort of walk around and make sure no one dies. Ah, uh, ain't that the job? It's fun. I get so many steps each day. Does she, is she wearing a... <laughs> A step tracking device. <laughs> a magical, a magical Fitbit. <laughs> a fantasy Fitbit. <laughs> uh, no. She's like, yeah, I like to count my steps each day to see how many calories I burn. Like, one at a time, manually. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, cool. I guess. Uh, well, why don't you tell me about yourself? Like, where are you from? Are you from like around here, or another district, or even outside the city? Like, oh my gosh, I'm 23. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And I'm from the district of North Elise. Oh. Do you know where that is? Uh, I imagine it's north. <laughs> she pulls out a handy dandy map. Wow, this is both handy and dandy. Which can be found on our website, www.adequatelyadvancedmagic.com. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Can you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> it's www.adequatelyadvancedmagic.com. <laughs> She pulls out the map, and you see the six districts that make up Falcon's Reach. In the center of the city is Solstice Plaza, which includes the main tower for Solstice Industries. And surrounding that district are four other circular, larger districts that make a four-leaf clover shape. To the east of Solstice Plaza is Canaloon which is the district that you're in, to the north is North Elise, which is the district where Officer Wolf is from, to the east of Solstice Plaza is Kiliad, and to the south is another ring district called Elyon. Okay. Bordering North Elise, Canaloon, and Elyon to the west is a district called Westoveria that is mainly made up of grids of slums. And similarly to the east, east of North Elise and Kiliad, is the East Ovaria district. And bordering that is a river. Okay, I was wondering what that was. Yeah. Yeah, I hear life is hard out there for people in the slums. Yeah. yeah. Just from your knowledge of the city, the inner districts, which is Kenaloon, North Elise, Kiliad, Solstice, and Elyon, they each have a central tower that is respective to each of the big corporations. Right. So, in the dead center of Canloon is the Valdivian Tower, which is the corporation that does security. In North Elise, the main tower is Wolf News, the media one. In Kiliad, there is the JYMO Tower, and in Elyon is the Falcoco Tower. And the Solstice Plaza has the Solstice Industries Tower. Okay, so what brought you all the way out here to Canloon? Well, you know, I just went wherever the job took me. So can you tell me what our patrol's gonna be like, and I guess sort of what uh, our role should be as partners? I just want to make sure I do the best I can. Yeah, do you want to be the good cop or the bad cop? Uh, I'll be the bad cop. That sounds fun. Okay, I'll try to be the good cop then. Okay. High five. Uh, Sarah's high five. She has no idea what it means to be a bad cop. 
<laughs> but she she returns the high five with zeal, one would say. <laughs> All right, well, let's go get ready to go on patrol. Okay, what do I need to do to get ready? Just make sure you have your equipment. Let me show you to the locker room. Okay. Yeah, and she gives you a tour of the police station. There's like an, there's an armory. There's a break room with some broken-ass vending machines. <laughs> there is the briefing room that you saw before, and the holding cells and interrogation rooms. Yeah. The two of you head to the armory, and behind the desk is another youngish human male with dark black hair. He hands you your service weapon, a magic pistol, and he gives you two Eldritch Blast modules. He also gives you the Magitech and associated Magitite for command, and he actually gives you the option of choosing between an extendable baton and a standard issue police rapier. Uh, I'll take the baton. Yeah, he hands it to you. My baton has a serial number, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I equip all that. I'm like, thank you. Uh, what's your name? <clears throat> he says, I'm Officer Ciccone. Ciccone. Yeah. He says, yeah, let me know if you need anything. Well, that's super nice of you. I definitely will. And I guess let me know if you need anything. Officer Wolf is also like, like, oh my gosh, he is so nice. Like, wow, yeah, he just gave me things and I didn't even have to, like, pay money for them. I'm so glad we could all support each other. <laughs> this is what it really means to be part of a team. <laughs> Okay. Okay, so I guess, what do we do on patrol? We just answer calls, walk around, talk to people. That sounds amazing. I cannot wait to start. All right. Well, let's go. Okay. Yep. Cirrus goes out and patrols. Yeah. And Officer Wolf goes with you. So what about you? Where are you from? Yeah, so I've been living in Cataloon, I think, for the last 15 years. But before that, uh, my dad and I actually traveled a lot around the uh, the wasteland to some of the different camps. We moved here one day when it became just too dangerous to do that. So you're not from here? Not originally, no. Uh, but I've lived here for the last 15 years, so it feels like home to me. Yeah, originally we were part of, I guess you'd call us kind of like a nomadic community. We kind of, we went around to different parts of, like, the south of the continent, offering aid to different uh, refugee camps. Wow, that's so, that's so rustic. Yeah, uh, uh, it was quite a, it was quite a change coming to the city. You know, some of the things here still kind of are still kind of new to me. We've been living here for a while now, but yeah, it just became too dangerous to to wander around the wasteland. Uh, the city was much safer, my dad decided, so we moved here, settled in, and we've been Cantaloonians ever since. Haha, <laughs> that's so Cantaloony. Sirius <laughs> laughs legitimately at that. I ask Officer Wolf, so what does your family do? Oh, they bake things. Ooh, really? Mystery things. Everything's a mystery in this city. That's so, that's so weird. Uh, well, I'd love to try. Uh, I'd like to try it sometime. And, you know, I'm not much of a cook myself, but I could try to whip you up something. Ooh, we could have like a little like lunch together maybe one day where we like exchange food. Ooh. Ooh. Can't wait. Yes. I write down. <laughs> I write that down in my book. Lunch with Valerie. <laughs> All right, Joey. I patrol. I commence my patrol. Yeah, <laughs> the two of you patrol. The two of you continue on your patrol, and ahead of you, you see that there is a small commotion. There's a little bit of a crowd, not really like a crowd, but just like a couple of people who are sort of looking on at this elderly gnome with white hair 
he's not wearing a shirt and he's not wearing any shoes. He only has his pants on and he's sort of like wildly flailing around in the middle of the street. I move closer to see if I can discern exactly what's happening. Yeah, as you get closer, you can hear that he's speaking nonsense. He makes a bunch of grunting noises, and he looks like he's mostly incoherent. Cirrus walks up, goes to the crowd of people, and she's like, she's like, make me, wake me, police officer coming through. Yeah, Wolf goes with you, and she, from her normal sort of go-lucky personality, she says... Hey, Alanis, get the crowd out of the way, would you? Yes, absolutely. All right, everybody, nothing to see here. Uh, Please disperse. We're going to handle the situation. Please go about your day. Everything will be fine. We got this. Yeah, go ahead and roll a roll a persuasion check, yeah. Oh, that was a nat 20 plus 6, so 26. <laughs> yeah, seeing the police arrive, like 99% of the crowd is like, well, okay. I asked very nicely. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's like, well, okay, she asked nicely, so I guess we should go. <laughs> That's how it should work in real life. Meanwhile, Officer Wolf approaches the half-crazed gnome with her hand on her service weapon and one hand outstretched, and she's like, Sir, are you okay? And as she gets closer, the gnome says, Get away from me! And without any magic tech, a floating spectral scythe appears behind him, and then with quickness, it flies towards Officer Wolf. Ruh-roh. And it hits her straight in the chest. And even from where you are, you see that a part of it has nicked at least like a part of her neck. Uh-oh. And there's a surprisingly large amount of blood coming out of her. And we're going to go ahead and roll initiative. You're about 20 feet away from him as he's emerging out of an alleyway. And Officer Wolf is down on the ground, lying near the feet of the crazed gnome. I guess that's that for our lunch date. (laughs) So I rolled a nat one, so my initiative is one. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna go super well joe you should definitely kill off my character like right now (laughs) the gnome stumbles towards you and as he does so he says i won't let them take me back not going back the spiritual scythe hovers close to him it flies towards you oh no yeah the the scythe flies towards you and it's going to make a melee spell attack and he rolls a 15 that does not hit yeah the floating spectral scythe tries to slash at your neck but then what do you do as it sort of like reaches for her neck she it like goes slow motion and she like leans her neck back as it just narrowly avoids it yeah and now it's your turn Okay. Cirrus says, Sir, I don't know what you're saying, but nobody's here to take you anywhere. Okay? Just put the put the magic down. Put the She assumes that he's using Magitek or Magitype because she would because she could not like fathom the idea of somebody not doing that. She's like, put the magic down. We could talk about it. Nobody's going to hurt you. You know, I'm I'm a friend. My name's Cirrus. 
we just want you to put the magic down and to stop hurting people. So she tries to use reason. <laughs> All right, go ahead and roll a persuasion check. Okay. Ooh, that's pretty good. Okay. 17 plus 6, so that'll be 23. Yeah. He continues to mutter to himself, and he continues to lurch towards you. The spectral scythe continues to float dangerously close to you. Uh, would you consider that as my action? Yeah. Okay. That's fair. The scythe flies at you again. So I, I have failed to persuade this man to not be crazy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and he rolls a 23. So that does hit. It does five damage. Ouch. The scythe flies towards you, and it tries to go straight for your neck, but you move a little bit, and it hits your arm instead, and you get a pretty nasty cut on your left arm. I'm like, <sighs> ah. Okay. Cirrus turn. She will use the command spell, or the command magic tech on the gnome. Yep. I will say... So I have to, I speak a command first, and then I think it makes a wisdom save. So, and I know it understands my language. Yeah, I would, I'll say, I'll do halt, actually, because I'll make it not be able to take actions, or make him not be able to take actions. So he needs to do a wisdom saving throw. They roll a 11. All right. So he fails the wisdom saving throw. So the target doesn't move and takes no actions. Yeah. The gnome drops to his knees. Would it be also a free action for me to notice that he's not, that he's innately casting this magic? Yeah. Okay. Or you can, is it, it's just like you notice it. Okay. Yeah. I notice it. <laughs> okay. So on my turn, I plan to handcuff this person. I'm assuming I have handcuffs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a reasonable assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and do a grapple check and they will also roll. Okay. I roll an eight. They rolled a seven. It's like the most pathetic grapple. Yeah. <laughs> it's like two very like sad people struggling against each other. No, get in the handcuffs. Come on. Like, I'm not going back. I'm not taking you back anywhere. Stop resisting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get the handcuffs on and you get him pinned to the ground. The problem is there's still a magical floating weapon floating around in the air. Oh, interesting. Cirrus is sort of very confused by this. She doesn't really understand how innate magic works. She's like, sir, can you please, can you please make the weapon go away? <laughs> As you say that, the scythe flies towards you and it's going to attack again. This time it rolls a 18. That, that hits. And does five damage. Shoot. Okay. What would Cirrus do? Well, since Cirrus is bleeding quite heavily, she's like... She says, I'm sorry, sir. I don't want to, I didn't want to have to do this, but you leave me no choice. Uh, and she pulls out her extendable baton and attempts to knock the man out. Yeah, go ahead and roll your attack with advantage because he's prone. So that'll either be a 14. 14. Yeah, that hits. All right. The gnome will take seven damage. You're making me do this, sir. Yeah, you whack him straight in the head and he goes limp. Oh, by the way, Joey, would it be okay for me to, to... So, unless I say, unless I specify otherwise, I want this character to do non-lethal damage with most of her attacks. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I just, I don't want to, like, have to say it every time. Yeah. Okay. And the scythe disappears. Okay. I check on Valerie. Yeah, you run over to Valerie, 
And she has her hand on her neck and she's trying to stop the bleeding. Uh, I also apply, I apply pressure to the wound and I'm like, Valerie, Valerie, stay with me. You're going to make it. It's okay. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead and do a medicine check. All right. This is the role that's going to determine your entire character. (laughs) (laughs) I get a 10. (laughs) You, you try to stabilize her as you do a... Rather mysterious looking levitating SUV <laughs> appears from behind you on the street and several heavily armed Valdivian security folk come out alongside a suit wearing Elvis gentleman. Ceres is like, officer down, medical attention needed. Yeah, the Valdivian folk grab Gnome. They stuff him into the back of the SUV and they all get back into the vehicle. And they drive off. Sirius attempts to protest this, as futile as it is. She's like, that is just a suspect under the custody of the Falcon's Reach Police Department. You cannot just come here and take take this perp from us. <laughs> this man clearly needs help. As blood covers her hands as she tries to uh, save Valerie. Dear sweet Valerie. Like, we are having that lunch date. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. This is a fairly traumatizing first day on the job. I'm like, don't you die on me, Valerie. We just met. I had so much to learn about you. You're going to stay with me, and we're going to patrol again, and we're going to have an amazing time. And there won't be some random gnome person with random crazy magical powers, and it'll be good, and we can go have lunch every day. All right. The camera zooms out, and it continues to dramatically zoom out. And then it cuts to black. (laughs) So ambiguous. And then on the screen, it says, five years later. And what are you doing? So five years later, Cirrus is at her desk at work. She She's filing some paperwork for the day. She looks inside her desk, and there's a photo of Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really quite hard to tell what expression she has on her face. Do you look any different? I mean, yeah, she looks like a little bit older. She's... I guess 30 years old now. A little bit older, slightly wiser, a little bit sadder, and a little bit more hardened, but she still she still has like that that kind, wistful look in her eyes. And she pulls out her her JYMO voucher snack that she must have earned at some point within the last five years. <laughs> and just sort of reminisces on what happened that day. That fateful, fateful day. She's like, I never did find out what the deal was with that gnome. Nobody's told me about it. No matter who I asked. And then she enjoys her snack. (laughs) Melinda, the receptionist, comes up from behind you. Boo. And she hands you a note. Thanks, Linda. My name's Melinda. I feel like we've grown closer over these past five years and we could kind of use nicknames for each other, right? We haven't. (laughs) Melinda, you're such a card. I read the note. You read the note. The camera focuses on your face and there's just this look of distress and fear and then the screen cuts to black
Hey everyone, it's Joey again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Adequately Advanced Magic and for making it to Season 2. Next week we're going to do a bit of a recap episode to remind everyone of what happened and who's who. And then after that we're going to officially kick off Season 2 and things are going to happen again. So join us next week for that and we'll catch you guys then.